like we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. We don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. What's happening? Derek Johnson, I'm back with Adam Dravetta here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. We do have KU basketball tonight. Who the hell are you and what are you doing in my yeah, studio? I, just, I stumbled in here. I don't know any of these people, but uh, hey, there's a microphone here, so I might as well talk on it. Have at it. Um, so KU takes on Colorado, 8 o'clock. We'll have that for you in KLWN, but um, it'll be, I guess, preceded by, we have KU women's basketball. Coverage starts at 545, tip-off yep. at 6. So that's going to lead into the men's game. Whenever the women's game ends, we'll switch over to men's coverage. You can hear the entirety of the men's coverage if that's what you're looking for over on our sister station at 1059kiss and 1059kissfm.com. Um, so I picked a, a fun weekend, I guess, to miss for you with the Chiefs taking on the Chargers. Funny enough, um, I was actually on an airplane during that Chiefs-Chargers game, and I'm pretty sure the people on that plane, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm on, like, a, a TSA checklist somewhere. I was... You were you know. losing it? Yeah, I mean, I, I tried to stay content, but I'm like fist pumping, clapping, like not like super obnoxiously or super loudly, but clearly enough that if somebody was like, what is this guy doing, you know? Um, and we were also, I was, I was going to, to San Diego too, which obviously a lot of Chargers fans in San Diego because they used to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure there were a lot of Chargers fans on the plane um, that were unhappy with that. I remember when I got off the plane too, the game was on the TV right outside the gate. And that and was it, when overtime had started. No, right? so that it, was when there was like a uh, little. It was under the two minute warning. It was regulation. Yeah, the Chiefs had not tied the game yet, though. It was twenty eight twenty one. Okay. And once I got off the plane, I, I went a little more nuts when they tied the game. You know, I let a let's go out with yeah. the fist bump when they. But you're they off the plane at that. point. Well, and there was a couple people watching the game. They didn't have like Chargers gear or anything on, so I didn't know anybody. You know, I I would be respectful, but I I just thought they were watching the game and. Come to find out, like, they were rooting for the Chargers. So I felt yeah. a little bad for kind of rubbing in the face for there. But anyway, um, so then I go pick up my bag, get picked up by my parents out there for, for Christmas with my parents, going with the, the in-laws this week. So I uh, went out and visited my parents last week, weekend. And um, we get in the car, and my parents had the game on the radio. Um, and I, I was just watching it this whole way as I'm walking to the car on my phone and everything. So my phone is... Uh, I don't know, a play or two behind, uh, about 30 seconds behind because the radio is obviously ahead. So we have it on on the, the screen, but but we're listening to the radio. And as we're driving to a, we're going to go to, you know, a, a brewery just to, to watch the end of the game if it's still going. Um, but they score so quickly in overtime. And that, that was just pure elation. We all got excited in the car. It was a ton of fun. So um, that was kind of a cool little you're a You're a for that. better son than me. I would have made my parents wait. I would have not. <laughs> I would have been staring at the TV well, okay. in the terminal watching the game. That was going to be my plan. But then once it went to overtime, because even when the Chiefs uh, okay. scored, I was like, oh, there's too much time. Chargers are probably going to yeah. win this in regulation. And then he parties like, well, now Mahomes might have time to kick a field goal. Yeah. Because they still With had like 40 or whatever it was. Yeah. 40, yeah. They'd like 40 some. I don't know. I, I, Regardless, they had th- I thought it was 20. Anyway, whatever time they had, plus their mm-hmm. three timeouts. 
He thought if they get a few chunks, yeah. they could have a Harrison Butker field goal. So, and we saw the Harrison Butker field goal, whatever, a year ago or whatever in LA that beat him from like almost 60 yards. So yep. you were kind of getting that, that flashback. Um, it was incredible. And then you had the KU game against Stephen F. Austin, which that was a tight game. It was a, a fun weekend of sports. And, uh, you know, I, were I you able to watch that? You've got, I know you've got the plus, but I didn't know. Yes, you watched that or were you busy? Yeah, I watched it, but it was, it was at a situation. So we like with, um, some of the family that was in town, some aunts and, you know, cousins and stuff, uh, grandpa, all that stuff. Don't throw me down, Clark. <laughs> we, we, um, uh, did not have a tree burned down, fortunately. Um, we, uh, celebrated our, you know, little family Christmas, had a nice dinner, exchanged some gifts and stuff on Saturday night. The game was going on and the, the place we were staying, my parents are currently moving. So they were, we were all in like a condo and, um, didn't have like ESPN plus. So I had it on my computer, but it's this small screen and you can't, you can like see it, but you know, it's, you can't like totally see everything that's going on. You get a gist of what's going on, but you're not like seeing everything going on. And I'm just like, we're all trying to like celebrate Christmas and play a fun game and stuff. And here I am just like sweating this out. And everybody's like, what are you doing? Game that you never should have been stressing about. Exactly. I'm just like, I'm trying to enjoy Christmas jeopardy here. But meanwhile, we have going on this game that, yeah, like you said, is whatever, 69-68 with like a minute left till Remy Martin cans that big three. But uh, now Remy Martin gets a chance to play a familiar foe, taking on the Colorado Buffaloes. I believe he's played them eight games in his career, four of them on the road in Boulder. The numbers are are fine. Uh, 12 and a half points, four and a half rebounds, four and a half assists. Those are all solid totals. Uh, 35% from the field, though. At Colorado, it's about the same numbers as it is against Colorado as a whole. So they've had a, a pretty good clamps on him, but also part of that came with McKinley Wright, who's a really good defensive point guard for them, who's no longer there. I don't really bring that up to say that, oh, well, he's so much more experienced playing at Colorado. That's going to matter so much tonight. It just is a, a thing. I looked into those stats to footnote. see. Yeah, if it was something where it's like, oh, he's averaged 20 a game against Colorado in his career, I might be taking something away from that. Or if he came away from it and averaged eight a game and shot 28%, I might be taking something away from that. You know, maybe the, the altitude gave him troubles or something. But I don't really have anything to say about those stats. They just, they are what they are. But this game to me is really interesting for several reasons. Um, and we can stop between each one of these. I, I have four reasons I, I find this game to be most interesting. The first it's KU's first, like, true, true road game. Yes, they played St. John's on the road, but it wasn't their home court. It wasn't their home arena. It was, if you go to, like, Ken Palm, it's listed as a semi-road game. And so what I mean by true road game is that this is the first game on a college campus yep. of another team. Yeah. And I think that matters. That That's a more difficult environment to play in, and I want to see how KU does in that situation. Yeah, I, I'll be, I don't know what um, Colorado student section will look yeah, like with, with they're all I assume they're all on break like every other college right now but they're also I assume like also every other college you have a lot of kids that are um that stick around mm-hmm. in Boulder or maybe they're from around there so who knows it'll be um it could be a decent crowd um and I know, I've I mean, heard it termed before too of this being Allen Fieldhouse West right yeah I, there was a time where this was a really common drive to for fans to make back when Colorado was in the big eight and the big 12. Um, maybe it will and, be and now. Maybe, like, hey, I let's mean, go celebrate Christmas in exactly. Denver. Exactly. Right? a Christmas present right there. Mm-hmm. A good one if you live out in western Kansas and you're, you know, clo- you're, you're closer or equal distant between Lawrence and Boulder. Um, yeah, that could have been, you know, so there may be a decent KU tent, um, uh, fan base there in, in, uh, in Boulder. Um, 
and yeah, but I I do think this is um I think it's the best. I think it's what what I by by Ken Palm I think I saw it basically will be their third best mm-hmm. non-con team that they've played between Michigan State, Kentucky, and then Colorado at three. Yes, that is correct. Although I think they're like one spot ahead of um oh so St. John's is like seventy eighth, so it's about in line with that. Quite honestly, but yes, oh, well, it I, would be. okay. I may have looked wrong then. I thought I saw. St. John's was down with Stephen F. Austin. Maybe I saw St. Joseph's and got him confused. I mean, it's fluid. The, it, you know, anyway, regardless. Um, yeah. But last I saw, Colorado was 77th. And, and yeah, I, I think the, 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 the fan base will matter. Mm-hmm. And if it's a, if it's a large um, – I, I think – and Self has, has mentioned this before. You know, he's talked about how much fans help, uh, you know, when you're in Allen Fieldhouse. But he also said if you're an opposing team, a loud crowd helps you too because you can build on there, even though they're, yeah. they're negative energy and they're cheering against you, you can build on that energy too. I think that's a good point because, you know, for some teams that isn't the case. I think some teams, uh, sometimes we, we accrue it to younger teams. That can be the case. I think it's a mentality thing. I think, um, and, and I don't mean that to be like a negative or positive. Some guys just feed better off positive energy. Some guys get affected more by the negative energy. Uh, I think there is a type of player, though, that almost feeds better off the negative energy um, or just feeds on them the same. Like a guy like Devontae Graham, mm-hmm. I don't think it really mattered where you played. As long as the he energy was up, he yeah. was pumped, right? Yeah, like for him, you would rather you would ra- way rather a hostile, angry crowd than just a dull, a dull road crowd. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think you would, you would take Hilton over... Um, Wherever TCU plays. Yes. And I think Remy Martin's that way. And, yeah. and, you know, I mentioned those stats at Colorado. They don't jump off the page. But how excited are, are opposing fans getting for Colorado, Arizona State? You know, that's that's not going to be Funny you mentioned Remy Martin. In a couple days, uh, just to give you a preview of what's ahead on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, we're going to give uh, presents mm-hmm. to KU players. Uh, mine may have something to do with how mm. much he loves the crowd. There we go. Okay. Um, so we'll be looking forward to that. Yeah, we'll do that on Thursday because that'll be our last show. We we don't have a show Friday um, before Christmas. So I, I don't know. That that all is going to be interesting how they fare. Although, like you said, maybe, I don't know, maybe this doesn't even end up being a true road crowd because of all the KU fans that are in attendance. But the second thing, this happens to come right before the players go home for Christmas. And I don't know the situation this year because obviously with COVID rampaging and, and the Omicron just kind of um, getting out of control with sports and and. You see all these Chiefs players, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Harrison Bucker, uh, Rashad Fenton, Traverius Ward, down and on and on the list of guys who are in the COVID protocol right now for the Chiefs. And, you know, that's happening in college basketball. We're seeing different conferences having different rules with, you know, forfeitures and all this stuff. So I I, I don't know if KU is going to take precautions and and basically be like, no, you got to spend Christmas here or if they just say we're going home. But typically they've used this last game and, and tried to put it at a location that is by a big airport, which Denver is, so that all the kids can get, uh, to their home places, which I would imagine is going to be the case here. But I, I think you always wonder about what the focus is going to be of this last game before yeah. Christmas. Are certain guys going to be kind of checked out like, hey, I'm just ready to get home, go to Christmas, and, and you're not diving the same way on the ground for loose balls. You're not um, you know, making the extra effort plays or the hustle plays or grabbing rebounds as, as hard as you possibly could. That's always a worry for me, and maybe it's, it's overstated because the one that comes into mind always – is that Temple game from like 2013, 2014, whenever it was, when Kane yeah. just got boat raced by Temple yeah. on the road, and you could just tell they were checked was, out. I think that was 14, 15, because that was the same, that same semester was the uh, Brandon Green going off against Georgetown. That's right. But I mean, but honestly, it, overall, those, like, those games happen within like 
a week and a half of each other. I feel like if we were to list out the last game before the Christmas break, like KU's probably in the in that time period, like eighty or ninety percent. Yeah, but they've games, also, right? you know, I don't know how many different teams they've played. I'll say this: I, 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 I wonder how much a, a lackluster performance against Stephen F. Austin comes to mind. You know, is in their minds. Um, for better or for worse, but I do think it's noting that it's worth noting that Brian Haney said ahead of that game against Stephen F. Austin that Self told him that they 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 didn't have practices on a couple days they would have normally, and then the practices they did have last week were shortened, and that was because of finals week. So Haney almost anticipated uh, kind of a, an underwhelming. I don't I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he anticipated. I'll just put it this way: He anticipated that that lack of practice might uh, might affect KU Saturday night, and I bring that up because uh, I don't know how much they practiced in between Saturday and now because they left yesterday. So I, you know, I assume they had a walkthrough today, maybe a walkthrough, maybe a shoot around last night or something. I don't know. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I I'll be interested to see, you know, where this team is uh, mentally, physically, and um. I, and if if the fact that they had a scare put into them Saturday night is going to be on their minds and they'll be a little more focused. So I'm looking back at just recent years, their last game before that Christmas break, and how often do they play a a name team like Temple? Oh. Temple isn't in a Power Five league, but they're still not they're not nothing. Yeah, it's honestly more so like that where it's like, oh, you know, they're not Kentucky or Duke, but they're Basically, kind of like uh, a temple is. So, um, okay, 2020, last season, they played West Virginia in their last game before that Christmas break. Random. And they won, but but that's different. It's because of COVID. COVID, they had to that's move right. Up the they Big moved everything schedule. up. Yeah. They so, I don't know fewer. what to take of that. That would be easier to get up for a game that's a conference game. Right? Year, year before was. Um, year before it was to Villanova, and they lost on the oh, road. Oh, that was, yeah, that was. By the way, happy anniversary to my friend Steve and Hillary. They got married on this day that that year. Mm, that and that morning we were in the um in the the groom's you know, the groom's room getting our tuxes ready and I was the only KU fan there and I was watching that game <laughs> and cheesed off cuz KU had a four yeah. point lead with Anyway. Well, 2018 they lost at Arizona State. Arizona State. That was Martin. when they were ranked number 1 and I'm pretty sure they're ranked number 1 but it was their first game without Azabuki cuz he suffered the freak wrist injury on the other wrist this time. Yes, that sounds right. And then 2017, 2016, 2015, they won all of those games. Um, Stanford on neutral court, they beat UNLV, and then they won that game at San Diego State in uh, 2015, I want to say. And then the time before that would have been the Temple game. So mixed results, but not as great as you would have hoped because in that stretch, that's like four and three. So I don't know. That scares me a little bit um, about tonight. The third thing, though, that I'm – Interested to see tonight. KU coming off just a poor performance overall. They really struggled defensively the most against Stephen F. Austin. I mean, you're pushed to the very end. And obviously, you're looking to bounce back from that. You're looking for a better performance. I'm sure um, you hear a lot from the coaching staff in practices and in lead up to that game. And so I almost wonder of all the questions we have about where is the focus going to be before the Christmas break. I wonder if coming off kind of a poor performance, even though you won, helps you in that regard, helps you kind of reset that focus. Yeah, I wonder that exact same thing. If that scare kind of had them, um, and I don't even know how to put that that game because they still scored 80 points. They just looked off the whole night, and um, they're, 
their Ken Palm, and again, it's it's early in the season, so one game is going to affect you a little more, but their Ken Palm defense dropped from like 26 to 38 after that game against Stephen F. Austin, so they have a lot to they have a lot to improve on from Saturday night. Yes, and then the last thing I had is um, I'm just curious, like what the altitude does to the game. Um, I, I, I think it more so affects the early part, and then you catch yourself. But KU's depth has not been on display the last couple games. I never, I, maybe I, I don't put enough into it. I, I'm probably if there's a middle, you know. I'm probably way. I probably don't think much of the altitude, and there are probably some people. I'm not saying you're doing this, but I think there's some people who put way too much of an emphasis on yeah. it. Yeah. The answer is probably somewhere in the middle. I just think when when they're twenty something years old, and they're they're used to playing. Granted, not at altitude, but they're used to playing at their AAU tournaments five games a day. I just think these they're they're kids in impeccable shape. So I never know if it, if it bothers them as much as people claim, but it could. It's it's not nothing, um, but I, I just I don't know. I never know with that. I, I've never um, I've never played a sport at altitude. Mm. I've, I've been to Colorado. I've been in the mountains. Um, maybe I don't know. I may not. I may be thinking not enough enough about it. And when I think people are thinking too much about it, maybe I'm the one not putting enough emphasis into it. Well, if you're a scientist, give us a call and let us know. All right, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Matt Tate will join us in about 15 minutes. Kevin Flaherty at 4:40. This is RCST with Adam Dravet. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. That time on a Tuesday, we talk with Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, kusports.com. Matt in his uh, homeland, getting ready for this one with KU taking on Colorado. I know that um, typically every year they try to do this final game before the the Christmas break when they can go home and see their family, although I don't know what the situation is this year with COVID and everything, but they try to do it at a major, like near a major airport where they can get flights everywhere. So they've it's been in Philadelphia playing at Temple or games, I think, up in Chicago, wherever, just uh, by a big airport. Um but do you think this year, do you think Bill Self factored you into account, Matt? I'm sure, right? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, born in Boulder, uh, lived in Colorado till I was 10, family still out here. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's probably what most people think of when they think of Colorado is me. So <laughs> I, I would imagine he did. I, I haven't asked him, but you know me. I'm a humble guy, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask him. I don't want to put him on the spot. Mm. So, um you know, it was nice of him, though. I, I definitely will. Uh, I definitely will remember this. Let's put it that way. And and you know, someday I'll try to write something about his hometown there in Oklahoma. There we go. Um, but I am curious for, from that notion of it, with because I don't know what sticks out in my mind the most is that game at Temple um, back in 2013. I want to say maybe it was 2014, uh, and they just got crushed. And it was the last game. You could just tell that they kind of checked out at that point. And, and that didn't end up being like a great KU team, but they still got a two seed in the tournament. So um, and they just lost by like 20 points and they have had more success from there. So maybe it's just, you know, the bad things like you could get 10 compliments and one guy who's like, what's going on here? And you're going to focus on that one thing. So maybe that's what's going on here. But I, I just wonder, 
Like, how checked in is everybody going to be in this game? And that's unfortunately not really something that you can measure until you see it uh, starting in the game. But are, are you expecting a, a very focused KU team? And, and how much do you think the Stephen F. Austin game, where you did kind of have to struggle and, and maybe that does almost reset things with the coaching staff getting on you and everything, kind of helps to stay focused? Yeah, I, I do think they'll be focused. I think so much of that is leadership. And, and I think this this team has excellent leadership. I think Ochai Abaji is not going to let anybody sleep. Um, Christian Brown has been uh, a leader in terms of his play, but also, you know, taking some ownership of this team. And I think that, I think that those two specifically, but even McCormick, who, you know, whether his performance on the floor is what it needs to be or what people want it to be, I mean, he's he's got some ownership too, and and he's been around and seen it done the right way and the wrong way, and 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 it's important to him. So I, I think. Those three guys are, are in position to make sure that this team doesn't come up here and, and overlook anything or check out early or anything like that. And then I think the dynamic of the team also works in their favor because so many freshmen, so many newcomers that not only are in position to follow these guys through this game and this experience, but in, in position to follow them in, in general because – they're all trying to figure out what Kansas basketball is about still and, and who better to look at than the guys who have done it and done it well for a number of years. So, uh, you know, I'd be really surprised if they're not locked in and focused. Um, again, I think it's so much about leadership, and, and I think Ochai is having the season he's having because he's so locked in. So, um, you know, follow him. Pay attention to what he's he's doing in, in terms of preparing for the game and, you know, the days leading up to it and, and obviously today as well. And, and and then it's a you know it's a it's a good game. I mean Colorado's not a, a top twenty five team, but they're um, a good team with some talent and in a good conference. And and this is one that people would be looking at. And and uh, and, and obviously they look at games every time Kansas is on and, and every time Kansas plays anybody really. But you know this is one where you can kind of say hey you know this is a Pac twelve team and and these are the types of teams we might see down the road in 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 more important settings. So let's 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 put on a show. Let's put our best foot forward and let's get out of here and have a have a Merry Christmas. I mean, so it's a cliche now and if you've been covering it as long as I have or even you have, I mean, you hear that same quote every year this time where Christmas is always a little better if you can win the game before it, you know, but 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 it holds water. I think that makes sense and I don't think he says it cuz it's a cliche. I think he means it. And so um I I I think all of that, the leadership of the players, the leadership of the coaches, the idea of, hey, you know, give us all you got. Lock in, extremely focused, go hard, and then you get a few days off. I mean, that's, that's easy, man. How, who wouldn't want to do that? Yeah. Uh, we're talking with Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com here on RCST. Um, I'm curious, in this game, uh, after coming off that Stephen F. Austin game where it was so close, and we heard the comments after the game of, uh, Bill Self talking about Remy Martin, and, and it almost seems like we've gone full uh, Tyshawn Taylor, I guess, with Remy Martin, with um, everything that's gone on there. Uh, what do you view as, as the relationship with Bill Self and Remy Martin in terms of the progress that's been made from where it started to where it is now? And do you think we are getting close to finally seeing, I guess, a, a fully unlocked version of Remy Martin after just a couple weeks ago he had the uh, zero-point performance against UTEP? I think it's a great relationship. I really do. I think they genuinely like each other. I think they're both competitive as hell, and they want to they want to win. They want to fight, and uh, you know it's taking some time, of course, for them to get on the same page, and and it will probably 
it will be that way, in my opinion, the entire season. I don't think that's something. That, when you talk about Remy Martin and the way he's played throughout his time at Arizona State, throughout his AAU career, throughout his high school career, maybe even going back to freaking junior high, um, it's hard to change that kind of that kind of habit, right? I mean, for, for 10, 12 years, he's been a certain type of player, and, and that's been okay everywhere, and, and he's been successful. And, and now, here in a matter of nine months, you get with a coach like Bill Self who demands different things at times, and and anybody that expects it to be just completely flipped, I think is missing the boat. I don't think I don't think it can be flipped that quickly. I think he can keep working toward it. I think he is. I think he says all the right things. I think he wants to do everything that they want him to do. But it's easier to say that than it is to do it. And sometimes you just fall back on habits and, and, and you kick yourself afterwards and, and you wish you didn't, but, but it's, but it's habit. And, uh, you know, so I think that's where, where he's at as a player. I think, I think he will continue to improve. I think he will continue to get it slowly week after week, month after month, whatever it is. Um, and, and, you know, as long as it's going in the right direction, I think that's going to be the most important part. If he has any steps back, now you might see some more frustration on both sides. So I think for the most part from August to now, I think he's been taking the making progress. I think it's been slow at times, but I think he has continued to, to just ever so slightly keep showing that, 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 that he's doing the right things or focusing on the right things or trying to do the right things. And, and I think that's what's keeping self in his corner. I mean, I think he genuinely, genuinely loves the kid and, you know, wants to see him become exactly what you said, the, the full Remy, right? I mean, I think he wants to see him be that player that he's always been, but be just a little bit more focused and fundamentally sound on the defensive end. And, and we're not talking about, you know, becoming Marcus Garrett. Um, nobody needs to do that. You know, that, that, that's, that's a whole other level. But, but just not gambling – you know, not, not 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 losing your focus on on a possession here and there. I mean, just being sound, and and you don't have to be spectacular. You just have to be solid, and and I think that's realistic. I think Remy can get to that point. Um, he's shown it at times, but consistency is an issue there. So I think that I think that he, uh, as long as he can keep working on it and keep gaining as on it as as self might say, um, then I think the offense will always be there and the fire will always be there and. And if you get to the point where that's kind of a peaking in March, then then you may have a, a heck of a player that you're taking into the tournament with you, and and that may give you a chance to make a deep run. So, um, you know, I think it's I think it's a, a work in progress. I think it will be, but but I think it's two coaches or a coach and a player who who do really like each other and who are really competitive and want the same things, um, even if they uh, you know have to go about it in sort of a roundabout way. Who do you think, I, I guess, will have the biggest improvement? Not necessarily, you know, this player went from uh, a C to an A or something, but just in terms of impactful improvement from where they are either now or at the beginning of the season to where things will be in March. Would it be a guy like Remy or would it, you go to Jalen or, or would it be somebody off the bench, a guy like Bobby Pettiford who we haven't seen in a couple of weeks? Yeah, I, you know, the answers, are, well, the, the options are, are plentiful. I mean, there's a lot of guys you could say for that. I mean, you could certainly say David McCormick based on last season and what he did. I mean, maybe that's ahead for him. And if that's the case, then that would probably be a pretty good answer. 
Uh, I think you could say Jalen Wilson pretty easily, largely because his floor is so so low right now. I mean, I I, I was in a wedding um, on Saturday night, so I didn't get to see that game live. But but it, it looked like you know a spark was there, a little bit of a little bit of a, a moment of realizing that maybe maybe that maybe he's on his way. Maybe this is the start of something better for him. So. If he can get back to the form they expect him to be at, you know, with his floor being where it is right now, he would be an easy answer. Pettiford be, would be great. I, I think when he comes back from that injury, I think he's going to be a a big factor. I, I don't know that he'll ever put up stats that make people think he's a big factor, but I think he will be a big factor in the rotation because he plays the way he plays. He, he He's intense. He's fundamentally sound. He, he, he plays hard. He's got you know, competitive streak, all that stuff. So, um, you know, those are those are three pretty good answers. The rest, I don't know that KJ makes a big jump. I don't know that Clemens makes a big jump. Um, I don't know if Yesifu is going to make a big jump or not. I, I mean, they keep waiting, they keep waiting, they keep waiting. But my gut tells me it's probably not in the cards for him this year. Um, I think he could be a good player at Kansas, but I don't know that he'll get there this year. So, um, and, and you mentioned Remy. I mean, that's, that's not a bad option either just because of, of what his potential is. And uh, there, that, that obviously would be, would be a, a fine choice and something they would sign up for right now. But, I, you know, for me, I think it's McCormick. If, if I'm guessing, if I, if I put, put, a, put a prediction out there on that question, I, I think it's him. I mean, I think that's a guy we've seen, you know, become almost a double-double machine. And I know that's in him. And, you know, you talk about desire with Remy Martin. Well, the desire with David McCormick is just as great, if not greater. I mean, he wants to be great. Part of the reason I think he spazzes out so many times is because he's trying so hard. And he wants to be so good. And, and so it's all about the free mind. It's all about relaxing and, you know, just taking the game as it comes instead of trying to trying to strangle it like you're wrestling a bull in a rodeo ring or something, you know. So um, sometimes... You know, I, I'm still surprised that this is plaguing him the way it is, but but I think his defensive presence is important, and I think offensively he's definitely a guy that, that if he'll allow it, they'll continue to play through. And, and if it clicks in the way that it did last season, then I think that he's the kind of guy that absolutely could be, you know, one of those guys that you end the season, he's a second-team All-Big 12 pick, and, and you look at him as a 16-10 and 10 guy, and, and you go, wow. Two years in a row, huh? That's really weird. But, um, but again, I think they sign up for that right now because uh, they're going to need him. And, uh, and, and you know, he's he's kind of he's kind of leveled things out. I mean, he was he was having a really rough time again, maybe even rougher than last season. Um, there in Orlando and and in that stretch right there at the at the beginning of the season. But uh, even though he didn't respond by putting up monster numbers or anything like that. I, I think I think you've seen him kind of level off a little bit and, and, and now his floor is a little higher than it was and so um, the next move is for him to become, you know, more of a consistent option and, and you keep hearing that word with this team. It's consistency, it's consistency, it's consistency and um, you know, there's talent all over the place. But but if they're gonna make the kind of run they wanna make, it's they've got to find guys that are more consistent individually and then also you know, in terms of what they offer the team and the team defense and things like that, it's 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 just so important because 
you don't develop any rhythm if you don't find consistent play from from guys and know what you're going to get. So I think that's the biggest one for Dave. But I would probably say him. I mean, I'm tempted to say Jalen Wilson just because they they believe in him so much. But um, I have you know it's been a rough start for him, and it's been a you know the the, the Dave start is not totally surprising. The Jalen Wilson start, I think, was pretty surprising, and, and nobody's really been able to figure out why he's been the way he's been. So I, I don't, I don't know if that if that fully clicks to the level they think. But I think Dave's got a chance. Kate, you're taking on Colorado tonight at eight o'clock Central Time. Is there anything you're looking for in this game uh, against the Buffaloes, uh, being the first road game of the year for KU? I don't know if it would be for one of those individuals or if it would be for the game itself, but uh, is there anything you're kind of keeping your eye on headed into the game? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think the biggest thing for me, you know, I know they count that St. John's game as a as a road game, and it was. I mean, there, there was a good crowd, and it was it was rowdy, and they were fired up and, and taunting and all that, but... Um, but it was still at a. It wasn't on campus. It wasn't at their place. It was at a brand new hockey building, you know. So this is a this is a true road game, and this is in a in an environment where this this team's going to be fired up. And the last time you were in their building, you lost. And 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 this this fan base that doesn't fill the stadium very often is going to fill it tonight. And they'll be fired up, and and uh, you know it's going to be great for KU to get that experience because. TCU on January 1st, even though that's a home game, right around the corner. Then you go to Stillwater, then you go to Lubbock. Uh, those those two places aren't going to be forgiving in any way, shape, or form. You know, so um, they need to experience another one of these. That St. John's game was a nice taste, and they handled it well. But they need to experience another one of these and and, and feel that 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 road environment. Feel that you know everybody in the buildings against you and all that stuff and and i think it'll be really good for them so how they handle it is is a whole other story and and if they don't handle it well then maybe it wasn't good for them but i do think they'll handle it well and and you know derek you've heard ochai talk all season about i mean he even calls these preseason games i think that's the funniest thing in the world but uh he obviously means non-conference but it shows you what shows you what the focus is at kansas you know they're they're focused on the big 12 portion of their season so much and, and everything else is kind of a a tune-up for that, and, and I think it's because when you get to Big 12 play, that's the first opportunity to go win a championship, and that's what they try to do here. So this is a very important game for that, and it's a good test. I mean, Colorado's got some athletes, and they've got some size. I'm, I'm very interested to see how they handle KU on the perimeter because they've got some 6'8", some 6'9", guys that, r- that run around and, and, and can do some work inside and things like that, but I don't know how well those guys will guard on the perimeter or if they'll be asked to guard on the perimeter if KU can kind of turn it into that type of game. So um, the, the matchup's interesting, but, but big picture for me, it's, it's, it's much more about how KU handles the environment and, and, and uses that to, to kind of help them uh, you know, down the road. Uh, dipping out of the actual on-the-court stuff, the IARP came down with uh, a ruling on NC State yesterday and the importance there. That was really the first big case that the IARP had uh, levied a punishment about. Um, so based on what you saw that NC State had, and, and I don't know the congruencies between what they were dealing with with KU. Obviously, KU is facing five level one uh, violations, I believe. Um, right. What did you take away from that as it goes to KU's side of it? Yeah, I think you have to be cautious to not try to connect the two too much because I think they're all different. Um, number one, they're, they're, the, the circumstances of each are very different. And even though it's in the same realm, 
And uh, number two, the panels that are hearing these things are different. Um, they're not the exact same people um, that that are that are making these rulings on each case. You know, they have a they have a, a, a body or a board of people, and they I think they pick three or five to hear each one. There may be some overlap, but I don't think it's completely the same group. So that that's also a factor um, because it is an independent organization or an independent board or committee or whatever you call it. So, um, so it's, it's, it's hard to, to connect them too much. And, and, and I don't think because NC State didn't get totally hammered that KU fans should be celebrating today. Um, I don't know that they shouldn't be celebrating. I don't, I don't think it, it means anything either way, but I, I, don't, I don't think you should read too much into it. Um, but, but I would say that, that, you know, I thought it was very interesting that they, they, kids are not being punished. They're not taking them away from the tournament. They're not, you know, the, the, the scholarship reduction and the recruiting restrictions and things like that. I mean, I guess you could say that affects the kids, but it's, but it's, it's not firsthand as much, you know. And, and so um, I, I think that's a really cool thing, and, and, and I think that's probably something that may be consistent from the IARP. We don't know yet. It's brand new still, and this is the first ruling we've seen on it. So it's hard to, to, uh, to know that, but, but I think that was the goal of, of creating that. And, and so I think that, you know, they're, the fact that they've now shown that they are willing to you know, understand that, hey, what we're ruling on here today was something that happened by a couple of coaches who are no longer there and a bunch of kids that weren't there or, or these kids that are there now were, were younger and not even in college when this all went down. And so why penalize them? Why punish them? And, and that's what's kind of the head-scratcher about the Oklahoma State situation, too. You know, I mean, I, I'll never understand that one. Of course, that was the NCAA Committee on Infractions and not the IARP. So very, very different situation there. But um, – but but I do think it's worth noting that that, that, that that's something that that you can kind of see as as a as a pretty big thing coming out of that ruling that that you know Gottfried was the one punished he's got a one year show clause if I'm not mistaken and and uh, show cause excuse me and um, you know that makes you wonder what what is going to happen to to self if if the ruling comes out and it's against KU in any way I mean. Um, could it be a suspension? Could it be a show cause that, that affects his ability to do his job? Um, you know, the answer to all that is yes, it could be. But um, I don't know that anybody has a real good feel for what it will be. But but it definitely is interesting. And, and of course, you know, as you know, Self has a, a lifetime contract at KU, and there's language in that contract that, that talks specifically about um, any punishments or penalties that come from this case and, and this ruling. So, um you know, he, he seems to be in pretty good shape no matter what it is. Um, but, it, but it definitely will be interesting to see how that matches up. Because with Godfrey, he's not even the coach there anymore. So now he's got basically what a show cause is, and I'm sure you understand this, but for anyone not listening, or anyone listening, um, they, they might not know. But basically what that show cause is, is for one year, if anyone wants to hire him to be their head coach, you have to show legitimate and valid proof of why you can't, you have to hire him and why you can't hire someone else. And that's really hard to do. And um, so I don't know if that will be the case with self or not, if any penalties come his way, but, but obviously he's, you know, he's on the hook for some potentially because one of those violations or allegations anyway is, is the uh, head coach responsibility tag. So um, yeah, that, that's why I think this is slightly different, and uh, it, it's really hard to read too much into the uh, NC State ruling and then transfer it over to what it means for Kansas. But, 
But I think if nothing else, it means that, you know, we now see what one ruling looks like. And, and, and we now also see that they actually got one done. And I think the timeline of this whole thing is, is probably what's been frustrating people the most, whether it's fans or, or athletic department members or whatever it is. You know, people, I think, are ready for this to be over and resolved one way or the other. And so now the IARP has shown, hey, look, we actually did make a ruling. We actually can wrap these things up. And so, you know, KU, Arizona, whoever else is on that list, you're next. And, you know, we'll get to you and we're getting to you. So maybe there's some silver lining type stuff in that because I think people just want it to be over with. All right, here's Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. Matt, before we let you go, one last thing with Adam. All right, Matt, one last thing. Uh, Going to give you a chance to vent about Christmas past. What's uh, what's the one gift that got away, the the one you wanted but didn't get? Wow, uh, that's tough, man. I've lived a very blessed life, and I've been a very lucky dude my whole life. I, I can't tell you the answer to that. I do not remember a Christmas where I was, overly disappointed by not getting something and part of that is because my family was great to me part of that was because i had proper perspective and didn't expect to get everything part of that was because when all my friends were getting the brand new video game systems and i didn't get them i didn't care because i just went over to my friend's house and played them so uh you know that stuff didn't bother me as much um so i I, you know i i can't say there's one man i know that's a really lame answer but but uh it feels like it fits the spirit of the season and uh i uh you know i i really truly have uh been very lucky my whole life to get to get you know showered with wonderful gifts and and love and and cookies and candy and and probably too much of that stuff but that's okay you know I'll, i'll keep eating it don't worry about that so um you know as as we get older as I get older, you guys are getting older too. I hate to break that to you, but you are. Um, I don't believe you. But as <laughs> as we get older, you know, you you find that that the whole giving thing really is so much better. And I, I wish there'd be a way to uh, to, to c- communicate that to young people and the kids, you know. But I guess if both were 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 so excited about giving then nobody would be excited about receiving so part of the joy of giving a great gift is is seeing the excitement on the face of the person you're giving it to so um yeah you know i i think that's definitely started to be much much more important to me as i've gotten older and and uh and and don't get me wrong i still i still get some pretty cool things even even as an old gray-haired gray-haired man now but uh but yeah i don't have one that jumps to mind i mean you know i remember getting a bike i remember getting i do i do remember getting video game systems from time to time i remember getting uh gear of my favorite teams i remember getting um equipment you know uh whether it was new basketball shoes or or a, a new basketball or or a new glove or whatever you know i mean all those things were were a part of my my childhood and my memories and my past and so i i can't remember one that i was just really really about and didn't get i'm sure as soon as we hang up here it will it will come into my mind and i'll probably start crying and and have to relive that ptsd all over you'll be bitter for the whole season that's why i'm asking this i want everybody's christmas i will blame you too no question about it but 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 i really you know it could happen but i don't think it will I, i i've been very lucky he is Matt Tate, Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. Matt, enjoy the rest of your time in Colorado, and uh, 
have fun covering the game tonight. Will do, man. Thank you, guys. We'll talk to you after Christmas. So Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. To you and everybody listening, hopefully hopefully everybody uh, has a fabulous, fabulous time with family and friends and some time off of work, whatever you get. Eat well, be merry, enjoy it. All right, that was Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. I'm Derek Johnson with Adam Dravetta. One hour down, two to go. Coming up next, we're going to preview the KU Colorado game more. Four o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Gravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is KLWN. Thanks to Adam for holding down the fort here. I'm back now. KU takes on Colorado tonight. And that one at 8 o'clock here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. Um, as we look ahead to this game, you look into to what Colorado does there. Um, a team that has pretty good size on the wings and, and down low. They don't have... They have one seven-footer. He's seven-foot-one who comes off the bench. He doesn't play too many minutes. Um, But they got some good size. Their center is like 6'9", but he's kind of a bowling ball of a six-foot-nine center. Uh, 6'10", a power forward. They've got a guy who can play the three who's like six-foot-ten, like 218. Don't have a ton of size at the guard positions. They're both 6'2", for the guys that play the most. But they do have some size all throughout. So that'll be interesting. That'll be an interesting matchup for one David McCormick and just how KU does against size in general. They seem to do pretty well with uh, the size that Missouri threw out there in terms of the guard position size that they had. Um, But I I don't know how much of a concern that is. Uh, Colorado doesn't really do anything that exceptional on on really both sides of the ball. I mean, defensively, they rebound the ball well. They are top 40 in defensive rebounding rate, but they're kind of just average overall you look at all the different categories and that's kind of the case they're just kind of like average in a lot of different ways in Colorado now that doesn't mean they're bad they're just not great so from that standpoint because it is basically just a you know ho-hum defense they're solid not great kind of just expect another game where KU has a really good offensive performance and and even as much as the Stephen F. Austin game was a struggle for KU it wasn't because the offense struggled yeah I mean it was Stephen F. Austin and the defense struggled, I think, more than they would have liked to, you know. I think they, they were worse than they would like to have been. But Stephen F. Austin also made some really good shots. They did. And there's just no defense for a good mm-hmm. shot. Um, I, you know, so that, that but, I, yeah, they still shot over 50-something percent. You, you can't have a night like that defensively. Even if even if you are a mostly defensive team or offensive team, you cannot have a night like that defensively. Um I want what's uh, what's Colorado Colorado like shooting because that's that could say a lot about KU's transition game. They're well, still able to get out and run even even after a bucket is made. But um, I'd be interested to see that because I'll say this: David McCormick, for all his frustrations earlier this year, he's actually been really good as an outlet passer, which is a major major point of improvement for him. Mm-hmm. He's been a, a solid outlet passer all this year, which is new. Yeah, and I know uh, Jesse Newell, who we'll have on tomorrow, has kind of been a, I don't know, David McCormick truther might be the right word. But I just think they're a better offense with him on the floor. Well, that's, that's And I the can't thing. point to ex- an exact reason why other than they're just better. No, and I, I'm, I'm just kind of giving him a hard time with that term, but like they, uh, like David McCormick has been fine this season. Yeah. He hasn't been 
as bad as he was last year before the season. It's just he hasn't been as maybe as good as he was offensively. Like yeah. that that's where we view it because we see him missing these hook shots or missing these bunnies where he's shooting, I think like forty eight percent. Control the ball after, yeah, after passing exactly. the it's post. Just, it's very noticeable. Everything he does is very noticeable to when it goes right or wrong. You very much notice it. So He's he's not playing as bad as he was when it was bad last year, but he's you know, maybe not as good offensively just in terms of making the shots. Um, but he's been solid overall, so that'll be interesting. Uh, to your question about how Colorado shoots it, um, they shoot over 50% on twos. They're 51%. That's 128th in the country, and that would currently rank so fourth in the Pac-12. Mid- midway, basically. But three-point shooting, they're not a good three-point shooting team. They're shooting... Under 31% from three, that ranks just 265th. So there's going to the be country. a five foot nine white guy who cans 12 threes against That tonight. is typically how it goes, is it not? <laughs> so we can look forward to that. Yeah. I don't even know. Like, I don't know Colorado's lo- roster. No, I know nothing well about the roster. I'm just, but yes, I'm if used there to is that. A, a white guy sharpshooter off the bench, they had bound the, to go off. They had. For like eight years, Oklahoma State had some damn hobbit that would yeah. just can threes against us. <laughs> like Phil Forte. And then he was or, uh, Keaton Page. That's right. I don't Keaton know what Page. order they went in, I but they're Keaton the same damn first. player. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't matter. It's like the Morris Twins. They just sub out for each other. Um, Sean McNeil last year with West Virginia. Yeah, maybe that'll be the situation here. Um, so they have not been a good three-point shooting team. Which, I mean, and look, those 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 lead, if they shoot a lot of threes, if they're a high-volume three-point shooting shoot, Okay, I'm going to say, if you combine a high-volume three-point shooting team and a bad three-point shooting team, that leads to a lot of long rebounds and a lot, a lot of transition points. Yeah, they are, KU. And they, they are uh, 346th in the country in the percentage of their points that come from the three-point. So point. they don't shoot them much and they don't make them when they do. That is correct. Which but is, I still, yeah. again, I, I think if you look at how good this team is, in transition, particularly with their passing, I I go back to uh, a a play, back to they weren't back to back plays, but they they were within a minute or minute and a half of of each other in game time in that Missouri game, uh, and and look, Colorado's a better team. Missouri's maybe the worst of the if you count the Big East as a power conference, Missouri might be the worst of the power conference teams this year. They're really bad, so Colorado's a better team than that. But just going back to that game. Um, there were play, two plays within about a minute and a half of each other where Brown, uh, or I mean where Dewan found Christian Brown um, kind of in between a couple players for what resulted in a dunk by Christian Brown. And then after that, Christian Brown weaved it straight in between two, two Missouri players for Dewan, uh, Dewan uh, to get a, a bucket himself. It wasn't a dunk. It was a layup is the word I'm looking for. So my point is, is, is I think a reason, uh, one of the underrated or under-discussed reasons this team is so good in transition is their their speed has a lot to do with, but also, like, everyone can pass. That's a good point. Like, a lot of players on this team can pass. When Christian I mean, Brown's playing the four, I like yeah. point guard in high school. Yeah, you know? I, I like DeWan. I mean, I like, you know, I'm not suggesting that everybody should have be running the one, but everybody can pass. Mm-hmm. And that's that has a lot to do yeah. with why this team is so lethal in transition yeah that's a really good point i mean Jalen wilson when he comes off the bench as a four we see him handling the ball all the time right yeah. so no matter who it is can can really pass but yeah colorado they're they're they are what they are on defense they're 72nd in the country it's fine right um they are bottom half in the in the pack 12 if you look at like effective field goal percentage defense they're really the only thing they do that well again is defensive rebounding where they're top forty in the country. It's kind of the same offensively though. How does he measure? How does Ken Palm measure that? Is it percentages of Percentage. misses that you get? 
Yes. Is that how he measures defensive rebounds? Okay, so it's not just amount of defensive rebounds. Yeah, correct. Okay. Because it, you know, you that would have, that would be predicated right. upon how often the other team misses. Well, that's I. I wish that stat like if it, I wish basic stats started showing that like if you go to you know if you're at a game and you just see the box score like you could see that oh man we dominated them on the glass we we had you know twelve offensive rebounds they only had six but in reality it's because you missed thirty shots and they missed this, fifteen. See this it's funny you mentioned that years and years ago um probably over a decade i can't remember who it was but some kansas city radio guy asked bill self i don't know if it was after a game or just one of his weekly media availability but he asked him what is something you know we have what we may look at in a in a box score but when you get that paper box score after the game what's something that fans that might not think of that you actually look at and he said the he said the the amount of um offensive rebounds they got versus shots missed and the amount of offensive rebounds we got versus shots missed so so and bill self was not the first coach to think of that mm-hmm. but it was just an interesting thought that coaches long before these stats came you know into the eyes of the public in, in such a grand thing a lot a lot of coaches were already thinking you know think about rebounds not so much in terms of volume but how much you get versus shots missed and Colorado does get a, I don't know, pretty solid amount of offensive rebounds. They're top 80 in the country in that regard. Um, so, you know, again, fine there. Um, really, the only thing they do, because they're kind of the same way offensively they are defensively. They're just pretty much like, oh, they're average or they're fine at a lot of these things. They get to the free throw line a lot. They are 11th in the country in getting to the foul line. and They drive a lot? I think you have to when you're yeah. shooting so little threes. So, you know, I, I think there's a couple ways to view this. One, it like you said, probably means you're driving a lot. Probably means you're being aggressive. You're attacking the rim. So, again, as I mentioned earlier, could be a big game for David McCormick just in terms of his value to the game with the height. Colorado is top 30 in the country in average height for their lineups that plays. So you have that factor. You have the factor that you're going to be a rim protector. Same goes for Mitch Lightfoot. Same goes for whoever's in at the four or whoever else plays the five. You're going to have pressure put on you. But I also think it puts more, like we talked about the altitude earlier, and we don't know how much that will affect the game. But even if the altitude makes it so that you have five extra minutes to give to the bench, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to shave off a minute from all your five starters because the altitude, that's still five extra minutes to the bench. And then if you get to a point where, because Colorado is so good at getting to the free throw line, beyond how that impacts the strategy of the game or or how Colorado can compete in the game, it also could impact the same thing the altitude could, which means does KU have to go deeper into their bench against uh, Stephen F. Austin, against Missouri. We've seen KU's rotation basically narrow down to about seven guys, realistically. Um, I wonder if this is a game where that number has to go back up because of both those things. Because if Dave McCormick gets in foul trouble early, like he did against Stephen F. Austin, if, if another big gets in foul trouble, if there is the altitude, whatever it is, I kind of am interested by that because KU's depth is obviously been something we've talked about a lot. And early in the season, it almost felt like the depth was really carrying. It was it was like Ochag Baji in the depth. And then it was Christian Brown, Ochag Baji in the depth. And now of late, the depth has kind of gone away to mattering in games. And I kind of wonder if this is the reemergence of what kind of having good depth can do for you. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Especially, I I think the the point the the biggest point you make is with the the fouls. 
because if they're good at if they're good at getting to the free throw line, that means they're good at, at getting players into foul trouble. Um, I'll say this: Mitch Lightfoot has improved. I still like uh, McCormick, you know, as, as a player more, but Mitch Lightfoot has improved a lot in shot blocking this year. Um, but I, I also I say one one thing I worry about him is by the end of the first half because David McCormick um, got two early fouls and wasn't playing particularly well, and so he sat for a lot of the first half, and Mitch just looked wasted by the end of the first half. He looked gassed at one point in the free at the free throw line, and that was um, that was somewhat concerning. So that that made you know, dig into your depth even further, the fact that Mitch might be tired still from Saturday. That's a good point. And, and I don't know, maybe that's what it affects the most, like we were asking earlier, what the effects of the altitude are. Um, I've always, you know, heard that the biggest bear in the Pac-12 is when you have the, because a lot of times they do these, like, you know, when you're on the road, you play a road Thursday game or a road Friday game or whatever, and then you play Saturday, Sunday or something like that, and they'll send you to, like, travel partners, basically. So if I'm if you're playing Stanford, you'll play Cal. If you're playing UCLA, you'll play USC. And That's you play Utah weekend, and right? Colorado. You play Utah probably. and Colorado, and those yeah. are both at high altitude that it's usually the second game that gets you. So them. I think it's the recovery process maybe that's affected more than anything, which maybe if you're on the road recovery as you're going up there, I don't know how that affects things, but uh, certainly something to monitor with the depth and everything like that. Um, but overall, you know, like I said, Colorado's just fine. They're fine at defense. They're fine at offense. Um, they're 77th overall in Ken Palm, and as much as that would be the second highest team that KU has played to this point. Now, if KU beats them bad enough, they'll drop, and then they'll might be like the third best or the fourth best. St. John's is like 78th. Um, so that's all true. This will be one of your tougher opponents. It's your first true road game of the year, again, on a college campus. But you can also think about it like this, because all those questions I've had about, you know, uh, what's the focus going to be like the game before Christmas? The Big 12 right now, Kansas State is 66th on Ken Palm, and they're f- they're projected to finish last. Yeah. They're 11 spots higher. That is your last place Big 12 team than Colorado. Now, on one hand, that shows you just how strong the Big 12 is. But if I told you KU is playing the worst team in the Big 12 on the road, I don't think we would really register the idea that Oh man, look out for this one. That's a good point. It, it, yeah, that's that's a really good point. If we were playing, if Kansas was playing, you know, if, if whomever Texas Tech or K State, whomever was were, was dead last in the Big Twelve, and this was February first, mm-hmm. and then then they were going to one of these schools. That's a really good point. It doesn't mean you can't lose, like we. But you, know, you wouldn't DCU twenty thirteen. Yeah, right? you wouldn't be concerned about it. Exactly. Um, Jesse Newell pointed out earlier today on Twitter that KU of the top five Ken Palm teams, KU is the only one who's played a top 100 strength of schedule so far this year. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. That is crazy. You would think somebody would be higher up. But like I guess everybody talks about Gonzaga. They all, yeah. and, and rightly so. Look, they play a great, and I think one of their non con games got canceled. So that didn't help. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just, it's, it's interesting. But um, yeah, there's just, there's so many. There's so much to talk about with that with this game between the altitude, um, between the fact that it you know it's an unfamiliar team, um, but Tad Tad Boyle and, and Bill Self have some have some history. They, I mean Tad Boyle, his first Played year at KU, right? Yeah, and his first year coaching Colorado was KU or was Colorado's last year in the Big Twelve, and they played three times that year because KU beat them in uh, Allen Fieldhouse, beat them in Boulder, and beat them in. Um, the Big 12 tournament semifinals. 
So I, I think from all that perspective, I feel pretty good about where KU should be tonight. The only question is, where's that motivation? And that's not something that I can tell you on paper. I can't say, oh, well, KU ranks 14th in motivation factor on Ken. But I, I don't know. I don't it's, know what it's going to be. It will take a, I, I mean, unless Colorado goes nuts and, and is unconscious from three, I think the only, I mean, it would take a, a lack of effort and a, a very subpar focused performance yeah. from KU to lose this game. And that's kind of where I'm at with that. And because you had a, a tough game against Stephen F. Austin, which maybe resets that, I feel pretty good where the Jayhawks are at coming into this game. All right, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Kevin Flaherty will join us in about 20 minutes. We've got to do our uh, college basketball stock market exchange. We haven't done it in about a month, so uh, could be some uh, profits that are accruing for us. We'll find out on the other side. This is RCST. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Welcome back. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. We'll have... KU taking on Colorado tonight on KLWN after the women's game ends. You can also hear the entirety of the coverage over on our sister station, 105.9 KISS. So Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports joins us now on a Tuesday. Uh, Kevin, with as, as great as the KU offense has been, the Baylor defense has been that the other way. What do you think ends up being a better unit this season, KU's offense or Baylor's defense? That's a that's a great question because I I think that as good as both have been the the crazy thing is is you can say that both could be better uh, I I think that Kansas has sort of a, a potential level that it hasn't really quite tapped into yet I mean when you when you look at how amazing Kansas's offense has been so far and you still say well you know Jaden Wilson Jalen Wilson excuse me has not. Uh, has not been operating at peak efficiency. Remy Martin is still kind of trying to find that balance between, you know, creating for himself and creating for others. And on the flip side, you know, watching Baylor some too, you know, Baylor's really good at turning teams over and getting out into transition. And yet, you know, there have been moments in a few of their games that you could point out and say, well, this is something that that they'll inevitably tighten up as well. And obviously, you know, Baylor has several guys playing that, you know, haven't played those roles in the past or, or haven't played for them at all in the past. And so there's some upside as well. And so both can really take a leap from even from where they're at. I, I would say Kansas, though, maybe has a little bit higher ceiling offensively than than what Baylor does, because I, I think there's a level that Kansas can get to that, that maybe Baylor won't necessarily be able to get to, because I don't know that Baylor has an elite level shot blocker that, that is kind of that thing that has marked a lot of those, you know, the best defenses that we've seen in, in recent years. So I think I'd go with the Kansas offense, but I, I do think it's a great question because I think as great as both of them have been, on their respective ends of the court, I do think that both of them still have a pretty significant upside to continue to grow into this year. The Big 12 season starts up in about a week. Uh, how many Big 12 teams do you view as, as being ones that you think will make the NCAA tournament? Obviously, now that uh, Oklahoma State won't be making it, that gets rid of one that possibly could. But how many of the nine eligibles do you think will end up making it? 
You know, I, I think it'll probably be seven. You know, I, I'm not a a huge buyer into to TCU's nine and one start with what the schedule is. I know Kansas State has had, you know, kind of ups and downs a, a little bit. You know, sitting there at, at seven and three, and you know, maybe maybe being a little bit better than we thought, but still, I think probably sitting around that six or seven win range once you get into conference play. And so I think that both of them are, are likely out. Iowa State, though, I, I think it is really fascinating because obviously Iowa State being undefeated, but even beyond that, I think that there are things that Iowa State does that are translatable. And with the way that they defend, uh, with the with a really good freshman point guard hunter, I, I think – there are reasons to look at Iowa State and feel like the early start is not necessarily a fluke, but rather an indicator that, hey, this is going to be a team that's going to win 20-plus games and, and wind up going to the NCAA tournament. And I think pretty much every other Big 12 team has provided a pretty good reason to think they'll be in that postseason as well. If I were to tell you that Kansas and Baylor were to finish 1-2, as I'm sure you would be picking right now i don't know maybe you'd have something different maybe you'd have texas coming up but if that were the case that those are indeed the top two teams like it's looking like at the moment um would you go with texas as the third place team in the conference or do you think it could be somebody else at this point i think it could be somebody else you know texas's offense hasn't come along and that's not necessarily a huge surprise yet but i think one of the things that that maybe you know, Kansas fans watching, you know, their their own Remy Martin-inspired problems maybe you haven't noticed, is Texas has benched Marcus Carr the last two games. And I think when a lot of us looked at this Texas team, you looked at, at how often last year they were in a situation where the shot clock's coming down, you put the ball into Mac McClung's hands and, and let him create for himself, right? And it felt like that was a pretty significant portion of the Texas Tech offense was not necessarily running offense, but rather saying, hey, we put the ball in this guy's hands, you know, go get a shot, you know, to, to bail us out of this situation. And a lot of us who, who liked Texas going into this season felt like, well, Marcus Carr is even better equipped to do that because – He's better at shaking loose for himself, but also, you know, better than McClung at, at creating for other people. And, and so the surprise with Texas, I think, to this point, it, it's not necessarily that Carr ha, has struggled, but that the offense hasn't really trended that way. And so when you're looking for potential fixes and, okay, can Texas – put this all together and become this team that we all thought they would, you know, it's not looking as likely at this point. You know, Texas Tech would maybe be in that discussion. The thing that scares you there with Texas Tech is there's not really a point guard there. And I think against some of the better teams in the conference, that could become the, the sort of thing that, that really causes them issues. I think they're really good defensively and, you know, they, they do a lot of things well, but, you know, at the end of the day, having that guy at that position helps just so much. And a sleeper team, that, I mean, they may be a sleeper team or may not be. Oklahoma, at different points this year, has looked terrific. And Porter Mosier 
has really coached them up defensively. But I think when you watch the way their offense can flow and the way they can get into cuts and screens and, and doing a lot of the little things well, it would not surprise me if they were able to kind of shake into that number three spot either. The, the issue there is just that they haven't quite been that team with consistency yet, but there's at least a possibility, I think, that Oklahoma does put that together on a consistent basis and winds up being the number three team in the league. As we get ready to head into the start of Big 12 play, obviously there have been a lot of surprises. You mentioned how good Iowa State has been, and um, I guess surprising that, I don't know, Texas is one of the slowest teams in the country with all that talent. Surprises like uh, maybe Christian Brown in terms of how good he's gotten, and you could go down the list. What has been, if we were giving out an award for the biggest surprise so far, whether it's an individual player, an aspect of play, or a team that you would give out to somebody in the Big 12? It has to be Iowa State. I mean, Iowa State, not not that there wasn't potential with that team, because obviously we're seeing that. But, I mean, remember, Derek, this is a team that was, you know, totally dead in the water last year. Won two games, and when you're looking at it right now, it's not even the end of December, and they've won five times as many games this year as they won last year. And so I think even when you looked at that roster you looked at the fact that, hey, you're probably going to have a little bit of a bump you know, from players playing for a new coach and T.J. Osselberger and, and the different things there. Uh, I think you felt like, okay, Iowa State's not going to be a two-win team again, but I don't think that, that there was any reason that anybody could have thought, hey, this is going to be one of the final six undefeated teams in college basketball just a year after they didn't win a single Big 12 game. And talking about them as a potential NCAA tournament team, talking about, you know, the way that they've really bought in defensively, you know, after, you know, let's, let's be honest, you know, not just under the previous coach, but also under, under Fred Hoiberg, you know, defense was never really the calling card there. It was always, Hey, you're going to try and defend us, but you're not going to be able to, and we're going to hit more shots than you are on that given day. And so the culture and everything has been a complete 180 from what Iowa State has typically been over the last decade or so. And so when you take all of those different things into account, I think Iowa State really jumps out as as being that team that, you know, they may be the biggest surprise in college basketball, not just the Big 12 at this point. We're talking with Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports here. If you look at the Ken Palm top five right now, Gonzaga, Baylor, Purdue, Kansas, and Houston, if I give you that five or the field to win the national title, what would you take right now? Oh, that's so tough because the answer (laughs) is almost always the field in most years. You know, last year was, was one of the few exceptions, and I think that most of us felt like at this point last year it was Gonzaga or Baylor or the field, and it wound up being Gonzaga versus Baylor in the national title game. But so many crazy things can happen, and I don't feel like any team this year, you know, is at Gonzaga or Baylor's level from from last year. Gonzaga still has some upside. Uh, there, there are still some things there. You know, Chet Holmgren just hit three for I think three for five last night from behind the arc and he hasn't really been shooting all that well from the outside. And so when you add that in, you know, that's an element that could potentially push him up another level. 
you know, Dominic Harris getting healthy, you know, is another scorer and, and defender who can really help them out on the wings. So Gonzaga is nowhere near its ceiling yet. And Baylor is still relatively young in terms of having a team that, you know, doesn't just have several newcomers on it, but even the guys like Adam Flagler, you know, they were coming off the bench last year playing a different kind of role. And so Baylor still has a ways to go. You know, Purdue is another team like that in that you say the biggest jump for a player happens between his freshman and sophomore year. And Purdue has, I think, four sophomores uh, among their top rotational guys. And so, and we've already talked about Kansas. You know, you, you look at, at that field, and, and Houston I, I really like as well as a really tough team. And, and so you look at that group, and there's reasons to buy in to, to each of those teams, not just for now, but also to feel like, hey, these teams could be at a different level in March where where they're currently at. I think I would probably go with one of those five teams, but at the same time, if you're picking the field, you get Arizona, you know, you get, you know, Alabama who can beat anybody on a given night, but could also probably lose to somebody on a given night. I think a lot of us have forgotten about UCLA based on one game against Gonzaga and, you know, that's still a, a very good team that knows each other really well. And when things slow down in the NCAA tournament, because they always do, you know, that's a team that's very used to and very comfortable playing in those situations and very comfortable grinding out baskets. And so while I, I would be so tempted to, to take the field because of that, I think I will go with the, with those top five teams. I, I think there's, I think there's a lot of ceiling in that group that they haven't gotten to yet. I do want to talk some college football with you before we let you go. This is another week of bowl games. Um, We have the Idaho Potato Bowl going on right now. The UTSA San Diego State game tonight. That should be a pretty good one. Uh, The Missouri Army game tomorrow. We got the Frisco Football Classic on Thursday, the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl, and then we got the Hawaii Bowl followed by the Tax Act Camellia Bowl uh, throughout the week here. Uh, What bowl game this week, because next week is going to be more of like the main course, this almost feels like kind of the appetizers, I guess. Uh, Is is there a bowl this week that you're most excited by or, or intrigued by to watch? Gosh, that's a that's a tough one because I I really do like multiple bowls this week. I I, I really enjoy watching UTSA, and so I think UTSA and San Diego State is one of those games. But I think in terms of style, you know that that game between Missouri and Army is going to be a lot of fun. You know, and it's going to be two teams that want to do incredibly different things, you know, and Missouri's defense really struggled this year. And usually when your defense struggles, playing a team like Army where you have to be so assignment sound every single play or you're going to get gashed, that's not who you want to see. And so I I think that that Missouri-Army game is probably the one that I would circle and say, you know, get your popcorn and, you know, and, and maybe get ready for – for the scoreboard to explode because that has a chance to be one of the really fun, you know, sort of 38 to 35, you know, 42 to to 39, whatever type games that, uh, that bowl season is really good at producing. All right, Kevin, uh, before we let you go, one last thing with Adam, 
All right, Kevin, one last thing. If you could change the outcome of a sporting event that does not involve one of your teams or one of your team's rivals, which would it be? Oh, gosh. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's going to require some thought. So could this be football, basketball? Any, could it be any, any sport? sport? Any okay. sport. It's long, it just The only parameters are it cannot be a team you cheer for or a team that is the rival of the team you cheer for. Any sport, any level. Hmm, let's see here. I, I think, you know, as great as, and, and I, I'm strictly going with something really recent because it, it's something that, uh, it, it's something that uh, I think a lot of Big 12 fans look at it and they're tired of hearing about. I, I probably would have picked Oklahoma to, to beat Georgia. In, in that game that went mm. into double overtime in the college oh, football playoff. the semifinals? It was a great game. Yeah, yeah. Just because at that point, you know, people stopped talking about, oh, well, the Big 12 hasn't won a college football playoff game. The spread can't win, you know, blah, blah, even though, you know, the spread went up winning later with, with other teams. But I, I think that something like that would change a, a lot of narratives and ironically enough the other thing that i thought about was another oklahoma event the oklahoma team that uh, that went to the final four with buddy healed was just so likable and it yeah. would have been would have been really cool to see that team not just get by villanova but potentially win that national championship and that was that was a group of players I, I think that you know so many neutral fans invested in because Heald and them were so likable. I, I don't know if you guys were at the Big Twelve tournament when when Buddy Heald. Funny hit you the should mention that we were we uh, we were there to watch KU Baylor and then a lot of people left, so we we moved and got better seats for the West Virginia uh, OU game. Yeah, yeah, and. That's something, that moment is something I've tried to explain to a lot of people. You know, with, with Buddy Heald jumping on the table, Fran <laughs> Priscilla pretty much jumping on the tail, table, you know, the, on press row, you know, people were punching each other in the shoulders. Like, did you just see that happen? It's something that, that was really kind of impossible to explain to people because I think the only people who were hoping it got waved off were the West Virginia fans. You know, yeah. everybody <laughs> else there was so excited for that Oklahoma team and for Buddy Heald and for all that to to go his way. And so to see that team, you know, go into that weekend in the uh, in the uh, Final Four and, and have a chance in, in 2016, if you could change that to where that team winds up coming out on, on top, I think that would have been pretty cool too. That's one of those tin cup moments if, if you've ever seen that movie in sports. Like the Gordon Hayward one is the same way where it's like they lost the game but everybody is talking about how it ended and how it was almost or or how the losing team or the losing player like came up with something miraculous. Derek, either last year or the year before, um, I was at West Virginia's practice for the Big 12 tournament, and you know, and you got to talk to the players and coaches afterwards or whatever. But uh, Bob Huggins saw Fran Fraschilla and got up on uh, one of the chairs and started yelling, "Healed, healed, healed!" <laughs> you know, and, and Fraschilla. I mean, he teases him about it still. I think even pretty consistently, and so. 
you know, it, it was one of those things, you know, it's, it's funny that he's had a, a sense of humor and everything about it, but yeah, it was, it was definitely one of those moments where you wonder, you know, 30 years from now, people who, you know, weren't there or people who saw it on their TV, you know, are they going to remember it like Buddy Heald actually mm-hmm. won the game or, or whatever else? It, it was that kind of moment. Well, he is Kevin Flaherty. You can check out all his work at 24-7 Sports, 247sports.com. Kevin, thank you so much for the time, and happy holidays. Thanks a lot. All right, that was Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravada. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. We do Rock Chalk Pick-A-Hawk next. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. Uh, we're out early today. 545 is when we're out for pregame coverage for KU women's basketball. Then tip off at six o'clock there. KU taking on Wichita State. Um, after that game, we will, once it ends, go over to KU men's basketball coverage. And for the entirety of the men's basketball coverage with pregame and, and tip off and everything, hear it on our sister station, 105.9 KISS and 1059kissfm.com. Um, so another game here. We are going to do our new version of Rock Chalk Pick-A-Hawk. If you've been joining us um, over the past couple weeks, Brian Haney told us of an old segment he used to do when he first started up Rock Chalk Sports Talk. It was called Rock Chalk Pick-A-Hawks. You would pick a couple Jayhawks. We're, we're going to do four each and do a serpentine draft here in a minute. Um, and you get points for them. And it's uh, their scoring system was one point for every point, two for rebounds and assists, three for steals and blocks, and then you subtracted a point for every minute played. So it was kind of an efficiency metric. Well, we did that in the Missouri game, and it wound up that Ochag Baji, who was like one of the best players in the court. Worth one point. Yeah, he had like 23 points. He, he was worth one point in the game. Zach Clements, who went like 0 of 3 shooting, but had like two points and three rebounds for me or, or something like that, um, ended up with like the same amount of points as Ochag Baji. So we decided we're going to change up the scoring a little bit. It'll still be a point. For every point, two points for every rebound and assist, three points for every steal and block. Instead of the minutes played, though, what we're going to do to factor in the efficiency side of things, turnovers will subtract two points for each turnover and free throws plus shots missed. So if you miss a free throw, it counts the same as missing a shot is going to be minus one. So if you play for 20 minutes, but you don't miss any shots, you won't get subtracted for that but if you do play 20 minutes and you miss five shots you will get subtracted for that all right here's how we're going to go with the order Derek. i've written down on this piece of post-it note okay uh a number between one and a hundred just tell me is it above or below 50 uh above it is 72 i am right okay so i have my choice whether i want the first pick or the serpentine with the second and third i will go ahead and take the serpentine with the second and third giving you the first pick i'll take ochai okay that was fast sounds like you knew who you were taking right off the bat um, Ochai Baji will be your first pick. So I have back-to-back picks here. Um, obviously, Christian Brown is the guy that, you know, um, has been playing so well, but also is perfect for these situations because he really just fills up the stat sheet. And uh, Ochai is a better defender, like one-on-one, than Christian Brown, but Christian Brown puts up more defensive stats, which matter here. So I'll take Christian Brown. That'll be my for sure number one. Outside of that, I think it becomes really hard. You would have probably, if you didn't take Ochai, taken Christian, right? Yes. And I would have taken Ochai if you would have taken Christian. So number one and two are easy. It's difficult. 
There I go, David McCormick, right? You get a bunch of rebounds. You get efficiency. David McCormick won this for me when we did this in the Missouri game because he, he was didn't play very much. No, but he just but he he got really rebounds. He, did. he didn't miss a ton of shots. He didn't because he didn't play much, although different scoring now, so he wouldn't be, you know, as, as gifted for not playing as much. Um, but I am worried because Colorado does get a lot of teams in foul trouble and they have good rebounding big men that it could take away some points from David McCormick. So I'm not going to go with David McCormick. Um, shoot. I guess I'll take Remy Martin. Um, I don't know. Big game for Remy coming off the game against, uh, Stephen F. Austin, where he had to come up big late, but he was also, you know, I wouldn't say called out by Bill. So I saw some people like say being like, oh, can you believe this? Like Remy Martin, it's the biggest well, shot of the game. We, and we saw the same. Yeah, I know. That I know. We're talking about. I know. And it, it's, it's like, ridiculous. yeah. And it's like, and yet he still calls him out. Like, no, can you believe it? And it's like, ridiculous. dude. He is literally he, just saying he made big plays, but there are other things he needs to tighten yeah. up. It is called coaching. And he's yeah. Anyway, they're not they're not worth getting th- that account yeah. is not that worth getting that upset about. Anyway, uh, Remy Martin, I will take him. Um, We're gonna do four players each. By I've the way, I've got uh, so I've got two more. I've got two yeah, back, got back to back. backers here. Um, in no particular order, but my first pick is gonna be Dewan. I like him mm. for assists, and and you get three a steal, which he's yeah, really good at those. Um. This one's tough because part of me really liked Jalen Wilson uh, mm-hmm. coming on in that game. Yeah, no, give me Jalen Wilson because I, I do think David McCormick might be at risk for getting into foul trouble, uh, and I think Jalen Wilson can can bring in some rebounds And since I didn't get Christian Brown. Um, yeah, give me Dwan and Jalen Wilson. So I'm, I was hoping you weren't going to take Jalen. I was hoping you were going to talk yourself out of it because that would have been my pick there um, and my next one. Um but yeah, Jalen Wilson, if he can string together another good game, that might be our biggest talking point tomorrow because he actually played really well against Stephen F. Austin. I really liked him. Yeah, he was he was exactly what you need him to be. Exactly. And if he does that again, you know, all of a sudden uh, we're talking about a string together of nice play and, and now we're talking headed into the Christmas break. Um, at this point, though, I, I feel like I have to take David McCormick, even though I have all those concerns with the six pick. You're, you're getting a starter. You still have the efficiency side of things. You have the the rebounding. If he gets a block, that's worth three. Um, I'll, I'll go with David McCormick. And then we each have one last pick. This is tough. Real quick, sorry, I got to break in with some interesting yeah. breaking news uh, from the NFL. Buccaneers are likely to place uh, Leonard Fournette on the injured reserve. Mm. Uh, he would miss the rest of the regular season. I just so. got something. They're planning to sign Le'Veon Bell. Okay, there you go. There we go. Those two add up. Anyway, um, okay, last pick. So right now you have Ochai, Dewan, Jalen Wilson. I have Christian Brown, Remy Martin, and David McCormick. Uh, this is basically where you get into the situation of, do I take the high floor guy, Mitch Lightfoot? Do I take the risk of Joe Yesfu, who he might just not really play, but who knows? I still feel like there's an outburst game coming. Jalen Coleman-Lance could hit a three or two off the bench. I will go Mitch Lightfoot, and the reason why is it Damn basically it. gives me big man insurance. If Dave gets in foul trouble, Mitch can come in, right? So I'm basically just saying, you know, uh, maybe one of the two ends up with a good game. But Mitch has actually been really good this season. Um, he just has been kind of efficient off the bench and doing everything you need. He's not... You know, perfect. He's he's not a guy you'd want necessarily to be a starter on a national title winning team, but he's perfect in his current role for this team. I will take Mitch Lightfoot. Um, I'm gonna go. Wait, didn't you have two picks? Yeah, I took Dave with the first one. Oh, okay, so I just doubled down um, on the picks. I'm gonna take. Um, that's tough. I, I, Zach Clements. Yeah, I, I I think just part of me was wanting Yesufu, but I've got points. I've got enough points in Ochai and hopefully Jalen Wilson. 
and just for the point, for the purpose of rebounds and, and maybe those other two get in foul trouble or need a break. Clemens did get some time in the first half Saturday night, so I don't expect much there, but give me Zach Clements. I think that's a good one, too. Um, when you look at Colorado, all the size they have, I don't know how good they will be at, you know, if the, you pull them away from the basket. So maybe it is a good matchup for Zach Clements to come in and hit a three or two um, and kind of impact the game and, and get you some nice points in this thing. So to recap, you have Ochag Baji, Dewan Harris, Jalen Wilson, and Zach Clements. I have Christian Brown, Remy Martin, David McCormick, and Mitch Lightfoot. Points are worth one. Rebounds and assists are two each. Steals and blocks are three each. Missed shots, which are field goals or free throws, are minus one. And turnovers are minus two. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll think of something. We'll keep track of, like, how many wins you get, how many wins I get over the course of the season. And maybe we'll come up with something that, like, the winner gets this at the end of the year. The loser has to do this at the end of the year. Um, but if that's the case, I'm up 1-0. So uh, congrats to me. Uh, with Adam Rivetta, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it.